Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hope you are all enjoying your weekend. Welcome into the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vesugi and hope you are all having a great holiday weekend. Hope you're enjoying all the college basketball conference tournaments, whatever it is you have been spending your weekend on doing, uh, you know, spring break, whatever the case may be. Hope you are all having a great weekend. If you're on spring break, hopefully you're enjoying Warmer weather elsewhere, although the weather's starting to shift here in Kansas City, nonetheless. Uh, starting to get away from that long winter that we've had, but uh, nonetheless, wherever you are, I appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Uh, as I promised on the last podcast, our interview with Lee Steinberg will take place here. We will share that conversation with Lee Steinberg. He is, of course, Patrick Mahomes' agent and the founder of Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Tyreek Hill situation. No updates from the last time since we've last uh, spoke about this, but there is something that has surfaced uh, from the from the Tyreek Hill story that's really led to a lot of confusion. And I've interacted with you guys on this. Uh, a lot of you guys have had questions. I, I've, I've received a lot of questions via email. Uh, Twitter, Facebook messages, uh, a lot of people are confused about certain things, and I still am too, and, and it's hard to answer a lot of these questions that I'm getting because we really don't know a lot of the facts right now. We don't know a lot of the story, and what we do know, or at least what is being reported, some of it is not adding up. I'll get into that in just a moment. Real quick reminder, you can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzin That is a Facebook page. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well at Farzin21. And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share the links as well with your friends on social media. And uh, going back to the social media pages that I mentioned, I appreciate all of you guys uh, who have been interact- interacting with me Excuse me, all weekend long about this. Uh, I know Saturday was a much more quiet day. We didn't hear anything about uh, Tyreek Hill. No update on the uh, on the story uh, regarding the two incidents that took place at his home in Overland Park. Uh, but again, I, I appreciate everyone who's uh, been interacting with me. I had a lot of friendly interaction with this. I know in stories like this, it is pretty hard for everyone to keep calm. Everyone's frustrated. People are worried. People are nervous. No one knows really what to think at this point. And even though we, we don't have all of the information, you can still have an opinion on this. Uh, and I guess uh, where I want to start with this Tyreek Hill story is the Kansas City Star is taking a lot of heat from a lot of Chiefs fans. A lot of Chiefs fans. And I think even fans outside of Kansas City, non-Chiefs fans, are even saying, hey, look, there is some misinformation here. And unfortunately, because one journalist said something, everyone else in the national media is taking it for their word, and they're going off those reports as well. They're citing where the reports are coming from, where the source is coming from. Uh, but there are uh, there seems to be some sort of misinformation somewhere here. As we talked about this last episode, and if you haven't listened yet, go check it out. I did mention that there's a lot of the story that we don't know yet, and some what we do know, it's not adding up. Here's uh, where the Kansas City Star is taking a lot of heat in two areas with two different writers. One with Sam Mellinger of the Star, a columnist for the Star. He wrote a headline, uh, and I didn't get a chance to read the entire thing, but I think in his opening lead of that uh, article, or, or column rather, he said that if... Tyreek Hill was found guilty of doing anything, breaking his son's arm or whatever the case may be, if he was involved in another violent matter, then he needs to be kicked off the team, 
Pro Football Talk wrote a very similar column saying if he is accused of doing any, or not accused, if he is found guilty, if it's proven that he was involved in another violent incident, then he needs to be banished from the NFL. And a lot of people were criticizing Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio and Sam Mellinger. But what people need to realize, those columnists wrote if he were to do, or if he were to be found guilty of any of these things. Uh, and I think fans are forgetting. Yes, I understand. We don't have all the information and people don't want to hear this story until all the information is out there. But look, the media has a job to do. And as someone doing this podcast, you know, it's a big story. We, we do need to discuss what we do know so far. Uh, I don't I don't think Sam nor Florio were jumping to conclusions. Uh, they're just simply saying if these things happen. And I've been saying uh, a couple of those things as well, uh, you know. If Tyreek Hill is found guilty, well, then the Chiefs do have a very difficult decision to make. If he's not found guilty, then, hey, look, move on uh, like it like you like it never happened anyway uh, and go on with business as usual. See, uh, we we know Tyreek Hill is uh, due for a record setting contract. That's been the talk in the offseason. We don't know how close they were to getting that. But nonetheless, uh, we know that uh, is something that is ongoing with the Chiefs right now, hence why they've uh, been trading and releasing so many of their players that have been taking up a lot of cap room for the team for 2019. So uh, there's that going on. And the other issue that people have with the Kansas City Star is uh, some of the reporting from Brooke Pryor. Uh, I think Brooke Pryor, uh, she... And let me just say this. I'm not very familiar with her work. I've only read a few articles. In fact, in my in my uh, conversation with Lee Steinberg, you'll hear that we do reference an article written by uh, Brooke, a, a fantastic article on uh, Lee Steinberg and Patrick Mahomes and just the public image that they've created for uh, Patrick. And I'll share that conversation later. Uh, but but I have not read a whole lot of her work. I followed her work with, with, with that Lee Steinberg and Patrick Mahomes story. I also followed her very closely during the Kareem Hunt story. Uh, other than that, I honestly have not followed much of her work. I see her tweets, uh, but outside of that, I'm not too familiar with her work. Someone tweeted me saying that I guess she has been taking stories from Therese Paler and uh, formerly of the star, now with Yahoo Sports, and she's been claiming it to be her own, which, you know, from anyone who has any knowledge of journalism knows that's not how it should be done. Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of journalists who do that. Uh, I know Therese doesn't do that. He always lets it be known if someone else was first to a story. Uh, but I think the the biggest issue that uh, a lot of people have with Brooke Pryor is that she wrote in one of her updates that Tyree Kill's three-year-old son has a broken arm. We talked about that on the last podcast. And I did, I did say whoever is responsible for that broken arm, unless it was an accident, because look, we know kids... I mean, they can do some some immature things, and that leads to maybe uh, an injury of some sort. And it's it's unfortunate, but look, it happens with kids. It's happened with my brother and I when we were kids. I know for other people, when they were much younger, they've gone through these sorts of things. So that is a possibility, and maybe it's possible that Tyreek Hill's son suffered a broken arm due to a violent incident at home. Again, we don't know the facts. I'm just saying that could be a possibility. Now, I want to make that clear uh, because I'm not saying what did happen, what didn't. I'm saying what what could be the case. Uh, but I guess Brooke Pryor, she went ahead and updated her story and said, "Hey, he uh, the the son, the three year old son, does have a broken arm." And I think what confuses a lot of people is that 
in the police report, I guess the one where they visited Tyreek Hill's home in March the 5th, it had to do something with two different dates in February. Now, Tyreek Hill's uh, son has an Instagram account. Obviously, these are run by their parents. I know people do this for their pets also, which kind of think is silly, but I, I digress. Um, uh, but they have an Instagram account set up for his son, and I believe it's called Lil Cheetah. And I did share these photos on my Facebook page, by the way, also on Twitter. So in late January, you can see, and, I, and I'm guessing they're at Disney World or Universal. So I, it's, they're somewhere. And you can see Tyree Kill's son is taking a photo with someone in a Spider-Man costume. And you can see, I believe it's his left arm that is in a cast. And again, that photo was taken in late January, sometime before or after the AFC Championship game. I don't remember the exact date. I don't think it's relevant necessarily to know the exact date for the purposes of this topic. What I will say is, Brooke Pryor's story seems to be insinuating. She didn't say this verbatim unless she's updated it, and I haven't seen that yet. Uh, But it seems like she's insinuating that the broken arm happened in either the March 5th or the March 14th incident. Let me just say this right now. Because Tyree Kill, I mentioned the photo in January where he's in a cast. His son is in a cast. Or his arm is in a cast, I should say. Tyree Kill posted a Snapchat video of his son Thursday afternoon. Now, I don't know exactly where Tyreek Hill is. I've seen a lot of people say different places, so I don't want to come on here and give you guys misinformation. But he's not in Kansas City. That's the That seems to be something that a lot of people are confident in. He wasn't even in his home, or let, let alone in, in the state of Kansas, Overland Park, Kansas, when the second incident happened. Hence why only his fiance is listed in the police report, whereas Tyreek Hill's name is not. And I mentioned that last episode. I said it on social media. That is very important to note. In the video, the Snapchat video that I talked about, Tyreek Hill's son is dancing. He's Tyreek Hill, I guess, is playing uh, NBA 2K on PlayStation or Xbox, whatever it is. And there's a player on the game that's doing a funny dance, and Tyreek Hill's son is mimicking that dance. He appears to be 100% fine, doesn't appear like he has a broken arm or anything. Doesn't appear to be hurt whatsoever. I mean, he's dancing, he's moving around just fine. So a lot of people are giving a lot of flack to Brooke Pryor and the Kansas City Star because they decided to post that information. Let me just say this. I don't know where Brooke Pryor got that information about the broken arm. Her article says a source familiar with the situation said Hill's fiance has been in contact with the police and the source said that the incident was against the couple's three-year-old son resulting in a broken arm. So that is what she reported. And because, you know, in the social media era that we are in now, uh, people are following uh, their favorite celebrities, their favorite athletes on Twitter uh, on Instagram, on Snapchat, and Tyreek Hill's son did post a Snapchat video of his son dancing, and that has led a lot of people questioning Brooke Pryor's reporting. Now look, it's possible, they, let me just say this, if you get 
a free agent signing incorrect. Okay, look, I, I, Rappaport even missed when he said Antonio Brown was going to the uh, to the Bills. It, it happens. It happens to Schefter. It happens to the best. But when it comes to a very, very sensitive subject like this, especially when a kid's name, well, not his name, but at least he is still being mentioned, and when the kid's being talked about in the news, and if there's misinformation there, that can be very concerning. You've got to be very careful with these kinds of stories here uh, when family members are involved, when something very extreme is happening, such as... A violent incident, at least that's what's being allegedly accused of here, what he's being accused of. I mean, who knows exactly what's going on? Uh, Again, like I said, a lot of misinformation out there. When this story first came out, the hour it came out, everyone thought Tyreek Hill had done something. And I mentioned the, the TMZ article seemed to provide the most accurate information, saying that, hey, look, things are not complete yet. Tyreek Hill has not been charged with anything, nor has he been arrested. None of that. In fact, the case was closed in the incident where he his uh, name was in the police report. Now, I will say, does that matter in the grand scheme of things? I don't know. We all know what happened with Kareem Hunt. Yes, uh, he was involved. Police did show up to his place at the 9 in Cleveland he was not charged. He was not arrested. We saw what he did on, on footage, though. Uh, all I'm saying is we just got to keep an open mind here with the Tyreek Hill story. Uh, again, I, I don't know what to call it, an incident or, or what the case may be. I know prosecutors have closed the case from the March 5th incident. The March 14th, again, Hill is not uh, listed on the police report, but it is still important that the Chiefs do get in touch with him to figure out what happened because it did happen in his home. His uh, fiance is involved with that. And again, I, I know I got a lot of people messaging me about the status of their relationship because Instagram photos have been removed. And look, thats I don't think that's any of our business, but people seem to be using that as some sort of a tool as evidence as to what could have led to these uh these incidents where police have showed up. I don't know. I will say this. I'm sure the Chiefs have been in contact with Tyreek Hill, and I'm sure they know a lot more than what we have heard so far. I'm sure Drew Rosenhaus, uh, I'm sure his agent, Tyreek Hill's agent, I'm sure he has been in contact with Tyreek. I'm sure he has been in contact with the Chiefs. I'm sure his agent and the Chiefs have advised Tyreek Hill to not post anything on social media. I'm sure that's been the case. With that said, if Tyreek Hill, here's what some of the reports are insinuating, that Tyreek Hill may be a guilty member of hurting his son and breaking his arm. He might be a responsible party. That's what some of the reports are indicating. If that is false, if, and by the way, as we saw in that Snapchat video, his arm seems to be A-OK. Doesn't look like it's injured to me. He's dancing, he's moving arms around, he, he's having fun. Doesn't look like he's hurt. If this is all the case, and if Tyreek Hill has no responsibility, if Tyreek Hill has not been involved in a violent incident, then either Rosenhaus or the Chiefs or both 
and maybe Tyreek Hill in a joint statement of some sort, they need to right away, and I don't know why this has not been the case yet. I do kind of question that at this point. They need to right away release a joint statement saying Tyreek Hill's son is okay and he did not hurt him. Maybe they're still waiting for the investigation to play out. That's also a possibility. But given the video that we saw, I'm I'm kind of concerned as to why why there is such a big confusion, why there are misreports with this. And again, look, uh, I mean, journalism is a tough place. I, I, I don't know who Brooke Pryor's source is, but when you are given that kind of information, you've got to be very careful. You've got to make sure you are... You're getting a source from someone reliable. That's all I can say. Uh, again, sometimes it happens when uh, you get something wrong. Uh, maybe a source gives you wrong information. But when it comes to something like this where violence is brought up and, and a kid is being mentioned, you have got to be very careful. Here is uh, what they teach you in journalism school. I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. They always say, never take one person's word for it, especially in stories like this. If anything, make sure you have multiple sources to confirm a story. Ariel Helwani, he covers MMA for ESPN, did it for AOL way back when, uh, did it for so many different media outlets, was recently with SB Nation, MMA Fighting, does a fantastic job at covering the sport. And he's gone to uh, journalism schools across the country to talk about uh, his duty as a reporter. And one of the things that he has always said, uh, whenever he gets a big uh, tip about a fighter getting ready to sign a contract for a fight, he confirms it with multiple sources. Doesn't just take one person's word for it. He talks to multiple people. If you remember, he got in trouble because he reported the story about Brock Lesnar coming back. The UFC was upset because... He, he broke the story before the UFC could uh, announce it with this special video package they had as a surprise announcement. Uh, but Ariel confirmed it with multiple sources. The UFC was angry about it, even though he was right. Didn't say anything negative about the situation. Uh, he got in trouble for that, and the UFC took a lot of heat because somebody reported things accurately, and the UFC was simply upset because they wanted to announce a surprise my point with that is for those who don't have any familiarity with journalism if you've never written for a newspaper if you've never worked in tv radio any of those facets of media any of those facets of journalism one of the things they teach you in journalism school is to make sure you have multiple sources to confirm a story to confirm uh, an event In cases like this, it is very important that you have multiple sources, not just one source. Listen, I can understand if someone has a very reliable source and they want to go with that sole source and run with it. Certainly understandable. When it comes to stories like this, gosh, you've got to do everything you can to cover your you-know-what to make sure that if you are wrong... I mean, at least you have multiple people who you can go to and say, hey, look, you gave me this information. You just got to have yourself covered from all sides to make sure that what you're reporting is true and that multiple people can back you up on that. And I don't think Brooke Pryor did that in this story. There are some people that are calling for her job uh, or saying that the chief should 
ban her from covering events. I mean, look, that's not my place to speak. Uh, I will say if that is incorrect, if she is wrong about the arm story, uh, Tyreek Hill's three-year-old arm being broken, yeah, I, th- I think there there needs to be something done about that. I think the star should look into that and, and talk to her and say, hey, look, who was your source and why were you wrong on this? There needs to be a conversation about that behind closed doors. And if Brooke did not do her due diligence in confirming that fact, then, yeah, she definitely needs to take some sort of a punishment. And I imagine, look, I don't know exactly how much the Chiefs look into these stories that are being written about. I know Carl Peterson, former general manager, I mean, he had his run-ins with a lot of people in the media. And and Jack Harry, of course, uh, formerly with Channel 41 and, and Channel 5, uh, and I believe Channel 4 as well in Kansas City. He's been with a lot of TV stations. I know he had uh, his uh, issues with Carl Peterson because of his opinions and whatnot. Uh, but we haven't seen a uh, a general manager like that since then worry so much about what's being said in the media. Uh, I don't think Clark Hunt... Uh, Clark Hunt doesn't even live in Kansas City, so I don't know how much he hears about the team. I don't even know if he cares to read up on these kinds of things. I'm not exactly sure, but... I've, I've received some tweets from a couple of people saying Clark Hunt should uh, either demand her to be fired or demand a new reporter or at, le- at the very least uh, take her press credentials away. Again, that's not my place to speak until we know the details and until we know whether she was right or wrong about that story. Uh, that's re- We don't really have a lot of updates, but I did want to mention that because we didn't really talk about that video a whole lot in the last video, uh, or in the last podcast, excuse me, and now that uh, that is something people are talking about, it should be mentioned that, look, maybe that video is evidence that there is some misinformation out there in the media and the Kansas City Star's reporting from Brooke Pryor. And it is worth noting, Brooke Pryor is reporting this with another it is a joint article meaning there is a second person that is reporting it a lot of times with these stories and this was the case with the javon belcher situation if you guys are familiar with intercom which is where 610 sports radio is they have kmbz news radio and they have 610 sports radio in fact they're in the same room they share a newsroom together uh when the javon belcher incident happened 610 sent one of their reporters and kmbz sent one of their reporters and you had a news reporter and a sports reporter there because it's a sports story. And generally, sports reporters don't have experience covering these kinds of stories. So they had a news reporter there as well. Same situation here with the Kansas City Star. It is Brooke Pryor. And I can't remember who the other uh, reporter is on this. Let me pull it up real quickly. Uh, Steve, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Steve Vokrot. Steve Vokrot and Brooke Pryor, they both uh, did the reporting on this story. As always, I encourage the discussion. Let me know your guys' thoughts on anything we discussed or if you have an opinion or if you think that we should really hold off on on any judgment uh, or even speculate what could be the case until we have all the information. Uh, or if you do have an opinion uh, based off what we know or what, we, what we've talked about on this episode, let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Without further ado, joining us on the podcast right now is Lee Steinberg of Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. He is also the agent for Chiefs quarterback and league MVP Patrick Mahomes. A lot of things that I want to get into 
with Lee Steinberg. First time for him joining us on the podcast. Lee, I know it's a very busy week with free agency going on, so I appreciate you uh, being very generous to give us uh, a few minutes of your time to be on the podcast. Welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Pleasure to be with you. Hey, it is a uh, pleasure to have you on. Uh, Like I said, I I know it's a very busy week for you and your colleagues uh, with free agency, so I appreciate you making time for us. Little time to waste. Here's where I want to start because... This is obviously a very remarkable season for Patrick Mahomes, uh, going from being a backup as a rookie and then uh, making that transition to being the primary quarterback on the team, being the starter, and just having a remarkable season on the field, but also off the field as well. Uh, He had the 50 touchdown passes, uh, 5,000 passing yards, and uh, just an overtime period away from a Super Bowl appearance in his first year as a starter. A lot of people really got behind Patrick, uh, one of the highest-selling jerseys in the NFL, I think uh, third-highest-selling jersey and very early on in the season, and this was after he had the 10 touchdowns in the first two weeks, uh, and this was right after he threw six against the Steelers, uh, people started to get behind him. I'm sure you saw the uh, the video where he was at the University of Kansas Hospital and everybody there, uh, they were cheering for him, filming him as he and the other quarterbacks were walking by, and as the year went along, so much of his personal life made headlines it was news uh whether he was playing video games or the the the, the catch-up obsession that he has uh or, or any charitable work that he had been doing in the community all of that was news and people cared about that kind of thing we hear some personal stories about athletes and people don't seem to care about it as much but a lot of people in Kansas City really wanted to know what was going on in Mahomes' life and they enjoyed reading these kinds of stories uh, and it, like I said, I, I think it all started when uh, everyone was cheering for him. A lot of people at that hospital, uh, and that was shortly after the Steelers game and right after his 23rd birthday. I'm curious, when you saw that video that went viral of him at the hospital getting all this love and support from people as he was walking by, did you know that it was the start of a big media craze for Patrick, uh, which is uncommon for a 23-year-old, which he handled very well, by the way? So the NFL is really the dominant form of entertainment in this country right now. Um, It not only is the number one rated sport, but it's the number one rated television show because many weeks the three of the top five or six of the top ten of the Nielsen rated nighttime television shows are NFL football. So America's got a love affair going on with the NFL right now. And the name recognition and profile will uh, naturally go to the quarterbacks. And so um, we had prepared Patrick for the fact that he would be in the limelight, and he understood that. And um, basically the whole approach to Kansas City is to try and put down roots in that community. And so – Patrick would use his off days to uh, go ahead and paint a house for a uh, veteran or he'd go to a children's hospital. Um, But the whole point was to try to give back to Kansas City. And so he's got a charitable foundation, which will be announced in a couple weeks, called uh, Number 15 in the Mahomies. And it's going to aid children's... uh, causes in 
Kansas City. So at-risk kids, kids that um, want more sports opportunities, um, kids that have health problems, but it will all go back to to the city. So no, I wasn't surprised. Um, I spent the whole offseason trying to spin down because normally the first year of a quarterback is filled with misadventure. They line up over guard instead of center. They throw inappropriate uh, interceptions. They call timeout at the wrong time. So I expected it would probably be a learning year for Patrick. Well, he goes out and throws 10 touchdowns and no picks the first two games. <laughs> and uh, that concept was sort of lost. I know in, uh, in in an article uh, from the Kansas City Star written by Brooke Pryor, she uh, in her headline mentioned that you and your colleague Chris Cabot of uh, of uh, Cyborg Sports and Entertainment, you guys had this old playbook approach, this mentality that you had worked with uh, w- with Patrick to make sure that he has a good public image uh, as a quarterback in the NFL, and of course he's here in Kansas City. Uh, I know one of the things you mentioned in that article, you were quoted saying that you want to make sure that he is not being overpromoted because there is such thing as overpromotion and that these kinds of things do need a limit. Some of the recent activity I've seen with Patrick, I know he uh, was at a Lakers game courtside and he exchanged tweets with LeBron James and that made headlines in Kansas City. I know he uh, exchanged jerseys with Dirk Nowitzki of the Mavericks, and he sat courtside with Mavericks owner Mark Cuban, one of the more notable owners in sports today. Uh, Just a couple of examples of some of the recent headlines he has uh, been making uh, that people have been talking about. I'm wondering, as an agent, especially in the social media era, this can be very difficult. How do you go about this to make sure that there is no overpromotion with Patrick to the point where it gets saturated and it becomes too much? So first of all, we made sure that in the first and second year that very few, uh, if any, ads were ever hitting the airwaves that he wasn't on billboards, that everyone understood that his priority was to bring the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. So if we had had all the endorsements that were possible, um, and he then goes out and doesn't play very well. It wouldn't have uh, put him in a very good light. So the first key was to make clear to everybody his priority is, and his the engine that pulls the train is winning in football. So instead of taking all those uh, different endorsements, we waited, and we knew that He's such a spectacularly gifted player that eventually it would work out. And so we were doing some discussions, uh, my partner and I, during the uh, season, but it was nothing that would ever show. And now we've put together a very robust endorsement package, but now he has two years under his belt. So, But again, the key is going to be that he's not um, – uh, the ads don't run so heavily that you're uh, at a certain point sick of him. <laughs> and uh, uh, and so his off-season priorities have been, number one, to win, to do everything possible to make sure that you win next year. So that's all the physical workouts. It's all the mental preparation. Uh, the second thing is to give him a little downtime because um, from – the day the training camp happens until 
you know, he played through the Pro Bowl. It's just one long, um, uh, you know, physically and mentally draining experience. The third thing was to set up the Charitable and, and Community Foundation, which uh, he's going to be on national TV in New York and, and will, you know, announce probably on on a Jimmy Fallon uh, or a Good Morning America. And then, um, so you will see a whole series of endorsements coming out, but they're all reflective of who he is as a human being. They're products that he would actually use. They're services that uh, have a wholesome quality to them. And uh, and I think that there will be a uh, long-term effect so that, Clients I've had, like Troy Aikman and Steve Young, are still doing endorsements 20 years after their career ended. I know you referenced earlier talking about downtime and with the year that he's had and everything that he had done off the field. Uh, certainly some downtime is needed. I, I'm sure anyone who follows him on social media is seeing some of the, th- the things that he has been up to. One of the cool things, and I think a lot of people listening uh, find this very interesting as well, especially people who play video games, which uh, I know a lot of people tweet me about video games sometimes, so I, I'm sure this is something of interest to them. Uh, I know he was uh, doing a Facebook Live video where he was uh, playing some of the uh, older football games with a uh, professional video gamer and he did that for an hour, I believe, uh, on a live stream. And he also visited Treyarch Studios. Uh, and for those not familiar, Treyarch Studios is the company that creates a lot of the Call of Duty games. Uh, I have a little bit of familiar- familiarity with the uh, Call of Duty fran- franchise. I've played some of the older games. I know a lot of people listening probably have played at least one of them. Some have maybe played o- almost all of them or every Call of Duty game out there. I know that they did a uh, video together, Treyarch and Patrick, where... Patrick, I guess he threw like an item from the game, a replica of the item from the game, uh, at, at a light switch with perfect accuracy, uh, turning off the light. Uh, obviously, a very cool video that went viral. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, can you maybe share a little bit uh, how that opportunity came about for Patrick to go out there and hang out with those guys at Treyarch Studios? Well, Patrick is a gamer, and uh, uh, he plays Fortnite, but his favorite game is Call of Duty. And so, um, and people are aware of that. They've seen him play. They saw Tyreek Hill uh, uh, terminate him in a game that uh, 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 that they were playing together. Um, so, you know, he has a real appetite for video games. So that's how it came about. They were aware of, of that. And uh, and when you mentioned before, you know, him being at games, he's also a sports fan. So. You'll see him at, at Rawls games. You'll see him at a soccer uh, tournament. He loves all sports. And so, um, you know, it's fun for him. So he's been spending some time in Dallas in the off season. So, um, uh, and, and look, in the heart of every um, football player, there's a nascent basketball player. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you saw how short-lived that was. But um, there's a... Um, so he loves different sports, and you'll see him because that's one of his great forms of entertainment. He admires athletes in other sports. Lee, one of the things I wanted to bring up about Patrick in this uh, conversation with you is that now obviously he's a big-name player in the NFL right now. He He won league MVP this year, but... I've heard a lot of people who who have seen him, whether it's at a restaurant or just somewhere out and about in town, and 
you know, they've approached him, they've seen other people approach him, and he is nothing but kind to everybody that walks up to him that wants either an autograph or a picture, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I know uh, he was at the uh, basketball gym uh, in Overland Park playing uh, a pickup basketball game with a few friends. I know the Chiefs weren't happy about that, and I know they contacted you and asking him to make sure he doesn't do that anymore. The, the reason I bring that up, though, and I, I mean this positively when I bring that up, uh, he won league MVP on a Saturday night, and two days later, 48 hours later, he's... He he takes the MVP trophy home and he's he's out playing basketball with people uh, that that just with fans that he doesn't even know at a local gym. Uh, I, I get the sense that you know, sure he's a he's a pro athlete, he's a he's an MVP, he's a big name player, he's a celebrity, but I get the sense that he doesn't want to be treated like that necessarily. He still wants to go out there and and, and hang out with the average person. Uh, just because they're, they're they don't play pro sports doesn't mean he can't hang out with them. I'm kind of curious, where does that humble drive, where does that personality from Patrick come from? So his, uh, uh, I think you look at his mother, Randy Mahomes, who brought him up with good values. Um, he's, if you like him on the field, you'll even love him more off the field because he's um, uh, actually a nice person and cares about other people, is considerate, um, always asks how other people are doing. He likes people. And uh, and he's very grounded. Uh, part of growing up and watching his father play baseball and being in that milieu is the fact that he he knows the highs and lows. And he knows that you don't want to confuse uh, fame and, and uh, ephemeral forms of... Uh, you know, uh, fandom with who you are as a human being. And he's got very good values. He's spiritual, you know, has a strong relationship with his God. He's uh, got close friendships. Um, He's a very grounded person. So all this is going on around him, but it's not like he's internalizing it um, and uh, thinking he's, you know, someone who's too big for his britches. He's very, very grounded, and I think that, you know, comes from the parents, and we've also talked with him about the experiences of other quarterbacks. I've represented probably, well, well over 100 quarterbacks over the last 45 years, and so we've shared with him um, some of the, the, you know, downfall and the rest of it. We've also had big discussions about social media and the fact that it's not a private form of communication that you have to be very uh, careful in, in, in terms of that. The other thing about it is uh, Patrick really likes uh, Kansas City. Uh, remember, he grew up in White House and Tyler, Texas, and then he played at Texas Tech. So Kansas City is really scalable for him, and, uh, you know, it's a good-sized city, and uh, people there are such awesome fans. They take football so seriously that um, it's really a pleasure to play in a city like that. And and you might know that I started all the way back in 1977 with Mark Bailey, who was a draft pick, and then 1980, Brad Buddy was the first-round draft pick, and then represented um, uh, Tony Gonzalez and Nick Lowry and Deron Cherry and Derek Thomas. So... We've got a lot of experience with setting up charitable and community programs in the city. I've known Clark Hunt since he was uh, a ball boy. I was close to his father. So um, 
it's really a special place uh, in that, uh, you know, the fans are so hardcore. And it's a lot of fun playing in a place where people treasure football. I think that in the popular mind, they think, oh, every athlete wants to go to New York or every athlete wants to go in Los Angeles. I guarantee you um, there's not a football player here in Southern California with the profile that Patrick Mahomes has. And the um, and the amount of fandom is much, much less. So uh, it's a great – we were really delighted on draft day when he got drafted uh, in Kansas City. Great organization, great front office, long-term stable leadership, a quarterback whisper at uh, coach, um, you know, a, a uh, city that's just about the right size and, uh, and just terrific fans. Lee, uh, something that, a couple of things actually that stuck out to me with Patrick in his first year starting for the Chiefs, just his second year in the NFL, and these are things that you don't hear so much about players uh, at this age, this young in their careers. Uh, the first thing was last year, uh, around this time, I guess, where it was reported that he had got together with some of his offensive teammates because uh, players cannot get, uh, they, they can't, there are certain times where they can and they can't be at the practice facilities because of the NFL rules, which is certainly understandable, but he still made that effort to get together with some of his offensive teammates and to basically form their own practice just to kind of get used to each other so that way Patrick can uh, get used to where his receivers are going to be, where his tight ends are going to be, and kind of work with them so they can kind of get used to each other because it was a transition offseason last year uh, on the offensive side of the football with uh, Alex Smith being traded and Patrick being named uh, the the new starter for the football team. The, the other thing that really surprised me in a way, and it was a pleasant surprise, don't get me wrong, uh, was when the Kareem Hunt incident happened, 101 The Fox, the radio station that airs all the Chiefs games, they uh, mentioned that Patrick uh, got all the players together for a players-only meeting, uh, and I guess it was just to get all the players to focus. It was a crazy event that happened. I mean, we everyone learned about the incident, and he uh, Kareem was let go, what, roughly... I want to say 36 hours, 40 hours before uh, that game uh, against the Raiders on the road. Uh, I, I'm wondering, is that something that you suggested? Did you talk to him e- even beforehand that, hey, if, if something like this happens, it is up to you to, to, to lead your football team and make sure they're focused and that they don't worry about these kind of, kinds of distractions? I, I'm curious if you can maybe talk to us about that a little bit. So, the, so it happened that I was in the Bay Area and spent some time with him prior to the Raider game. So that was the first game they were going to uh, play without Kareem Hunt. So on the one hand, Patrick obviously had a friendship with Kareem and was you know, sad all that happened. But on the other hand, he quickly uh, refocused on the matter of hand, which is that, that um, notwithstanding whatever happened with Hunt, they were going to have to win with the players they had, and they're going to have to make the most of the running backs they had. And um, Patrick was very low-key the first year. But this year they need him to be a leader. The second year they needed him to be a leader, and that's a natural role for him. And so he needed to refocus the team on the fact that, obviously, you lose a Pro Bowl running back, and the way it happened is – is obviously disruptive, but 
point was to tune all that out, compartmentalize, adopt a quiet mind, and focus on the fact that that they still had an outstanding team and they had to beat the Raiders. And so Patrick stood up and, and uh, you know, was a leader. Um, he is a leader. One of the things that's interesting is that the teams turn over pretty quickly. So um, even though they have a number of veteran players, um, you wait a couple of years and the roster, you know, flips. So he understands that the quarterback's a unique position and, um, and part of it is a leadership role. Most games come down to the very end. So to be a great franchise quarterback, and let's define that as um, someone you can build a team around for 10 to 12 years, someone you can win because of rather than with, and most importantly, someone who in adversity, you've thrown a couple interceptions, the crowd is booing, um, the center's looking at you like, you know, you must be crazy, uh, and the game's starting to get out of hand. Now what do you do? Can you elevate your play in that moment? Um, and Patrick understands that. So whether it's uh, giving a pregame talk or being hyper-focused um, uh, at the end of a game when everything is on the line, um, he has a very good ability to to focus and compartmentalize so that you, um, whatever's happened before that might have been adverse, you uh, have to um, tune out and and stay in in this one moment. So, you know, he's a, a natural leader. If you watch him after a game, he will never claim credit for anything. Um, he'll praise his offensive line, his wide receivers, his running back, because that's the role of a quarterback, uh, to, you know, to be responsible. It's the same role that people who own businesses have, which is um, that that ultimately your job is to take your employees, and they're not employees, they're teammates, but is to take your co-workers and, and you know, motivate them. Lee, you alluded to this earlier about how much he really loves Kansas City and, and the, the, the situation he's, he's just been surrounded by since he's been here. Uh, I know the one one awards, uh, they uh, took place a couple of weeks ago, and he took home the uh, award for AFC Offensive Player of the Year. And in his acceptance speech, uh, when he got the award, he mentioned that uh, you know he's honored to, to, to get the trophy, and he's also proud to be part of a great community in Kansas City. Uh, I, I'm curious. I know uh, in a year from now, next offseason, he'll uh, be eligible for an extension, and a lot of people are talking about that happening. Uh, Brett Veach, the general manager of the team, he talked about clearing cap space to make sure they can extend Patrick whenever uh, they are allowed to do so. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you maybe give us an insight as to what his interest is in wanting to stay in Kansas City long term. Oh, um, I mean, quite frankly, he'd like to play his career there. I mean, and that's the intention, and that's the plan. And um, it's uh, look, he's got a terrific situation. Uh, look at um, uh, you know the targets he has to throw to. Um, you know, he can't do much better than Tyree Hill and um, and uh, Travis Kelsey, and um, it, uh, it and he's coached by Andy Reid, who has a close relationship with. I don't even think it's entered his mind that he'd play anywhere else but that. 
And the other thing about it is that he's just uh, in in this moment on, and totally focused on trying to get the team to the Super Bowl. So we're not even giving a moment's thought about the future because um, uh, he's in a great place. He's having a wonderful time. And um, uh, why – so – the intention is the play's career there. I know we have to be a little careful with this because I know you can't answer this in great detail. But I'm wondering because Adam Schefter of ESPN mentioned that there is the potential for Patrick to earn a $200 million deal. And since then, there has been a lot of talks. You know, who could be the first quarterback to land a mega contract like that? Uh, I know a year from now that is is when uh, negotiations could probably start to heat up a bit. Uh, but I'm wondering, as someone who's been doing this a very long time, and w- when you hear that, uh, how do you tackle that? W- what are your thoughts when you hear about the potential of a quarterback earning $200 million and Patrick's name uh, being tied in as someone who could be the first quarterback to, to earn that kind of a deal? Well, frankly, we have not done the uh, research or had the discussions uh about the contract because it's it's uh, the first time it could extend would be a year from now, and so um, uh, you know when the time comes, uh, if the team were to approach him, we'll deal with it then. Fair enough. Uh, Lee Steinberg of Steinberg Spurts and Entertainment joining us here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Hey, Lee, last question. Uh, I, I know you've been to Kansas City many times uh, in your career uh, with so many of the clients that you've had. Uh, I would imagine that you're probably visiting Kansas City a bit more often nowadays because of uh, your working relationship with Patrick and just all the things that he's got going on and how much involvement that you've had behind that, all the things that you're aware of. Uh, And I know you've been in Kansas City quite a lot with some of the things that you've been posting on your LinkedIn and on your social media. Uh, I've got to ask you this. Is there a place that anytime you come to Kansas City, maybe a barbecue joint or or a place to eat that you absolutely must visit every time you come to Kansas City? You know, so many of the uh, restaurants I went to were places that I went to with uh, with Derek Thomas, and uh, you know we liked Arthur Bryant's, and then there was a really good Italian place, uh, Arosa's. I'm going to screw that up, but anyway, uh, so many of them were. Uh, Derek and I would go out to dinner all the time, and so I just sort of um, uh, follow that, but. But, I mean, they have terrific food. And, uh, you know, we'll probably over time adopt a place as the hangout. (laughs) Good deal. Hey, uh, Lee, I I said at the beginning, uh, I know this is a very busy week for you and your colleagues, your agency. Uh, So for you to give up some time to come on here uh, means a lot. Definitely appreciate you doing so. Uh, Obviously, we talked about a lot of things. and I know we went over on time with you a little bit. So I appreciate you. Uh, doing so and coming on with us. Uh, thanks again for your time, and hopefully we can connect with you again down the road. My pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, appreciate it, Lee. Off he goes, Lee Steinberg of Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the agent for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, obviously covered a lot there uh, and uh, learned uh, some new things. I obviously want to say in Kansas City long-term, intends to play his career here, uh, and also uh, his uh, uh, charity, his organization, uh, which will be, I guess, officially announced uh, later uh, sometime this offseason. Number 15 and the Mahomes. Uh, always very cool when, when uh, 
athletes have these kinds of charities uh, where they're trying to do what they can to help kids, whether it is helping them play sports or any kids with special needs or, or health issues, as, as Lee was mentioning. Uh, you know, it's always important to have these kinds of things out there uh, for your community because anything you can do to help kids out there to maybe just gain some confidence or stay out of trouble, whatever the case may be. And sure, I mean, I'm sure kids hear a lot of things from their parents and they'll always get a lot of advice from their parents. But when they come across a guy like Patrick Mahomes, for instance, uh, and, and they're connected to his organization, his charity in some way, uh, it, it just adds inspiration to those kids. So it's going to be very cool. I think it would be great for this city, uh, especially for all the children in this city and uh, how much you could really help them. Uh, maybe it helps inspire them, helps them stay out of trouble, whatever the case may be. That is very cool. I was really happy that uh, Lee shared that with us. Uh, really cool. I definitely look forward to them uh, when they announce that officially down the road. I also did ask him, of course, about the uh, potential mega contract, and I figured he might not be able to answer a lot of questions on that, but uh, it was something worth uh, worth discussing and bringing up with him because, uh, look, you you know there is that possibility that the Chiefs are doing everything they can to make room uh, for Patrick Mahomes. I know some of the moves that they have made this offseason. Yes, they create a lot of cap space to possibly get Tyree killed, I, I mean, or extend him rather, excuse me, uh, given what's going on right now with Tyree Kill. I'm sure those contract discussions are on pause right now, but... Uh, once they get to the end of that, uh, and if assuming Tyree Kill's name is clear of everything, they'll be able to get that extension. I know they want to do it with Chris Jones as well. And the releasing Justin Houston and Eric Berry, that also creates a lot of cap room for next year. And that would really help the Chiefs out quite a bit so they could extend Patrick Mahomes for 2020 and beyond. So going to be very interesting to uh, watch closely when that time comes for the Chiefs. And I know we spent a lot of time talking about his public image. I mean, look, for a 23-year-old, and I know he was 22 when the season started, but I guess that that Mahomes craze didn't start until technically after week two, which was right when his 23rd birthday took place. That is when everything just blew up, and it's not common for a 23-year-old to get that kind of coverage. I can't remember exactly how old Tim Tebow was, when uh, when he had that me- crazy media coverage uh, his year, I remember LeBron James' uh, NBA debut. He was, what, 17 or 18 years old, and that got a lot of coverage. Uh, you-, you don't see that a-, a whole lot in sports. I can't think of a lot of examples where someone in their early 20s in, in pro sports gets all this coverage. And not that Patrick had it right away. I mean, everyone viewed him as just an ordinary first-round quarterback. Uh, but once he started to get on the field, and Lee mentioned exactly, 10 touchdowns the first two weeks, no picks, uh, that is the most by an NFL quarterback in the first two weeks of a season. And, and the other players who had the record before, Man, uh, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, they had nine touchdowns, but they had it you know, at a point in their careers when, when they've had a few years under their belt. This was Patrick's first year, and for him to do that and then... Two days later, uh, just get that big ovation from people at that hospital. Uh, I mean, that was the start of something pretty special. You knew everyone was going to go crazy for him. Uh, there are all these sponsorships out there, uh, a long list of sponsorships. There's now a virtual reality deal where 
Uh, I guess you can be the player and go in the huddle, make a make a play, uh, read the defense in the pre-snap. There, that that is now coming out with Patrick Mahomes. I, 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 you can now have this VR kind of deal where you are going to be Patrick Mahomes, uh, which 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 is a pretty pretty cool thing to say for a few seconds. But they're coming out with that at some point, so that is pretty cool. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more for Mahomes down the road. We ha- uh, Matt Derrick, who's a great friend of the podcast, he's already written a book about Patrick Mahomes' showtime. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it, or excuse me, if you haven't read it, I should say. Definitely worth getting, but but, uh, but I'm sure, you know, down the road, and in that article I mentioned with Brooke Pryor, uh, she talked about, uh, you know, talk, uh, trying to have these players stay relevant and do sponsorships 10, 15, 20, 25 years after their career, and he even brought that up uh, in our conversation uh, you know that they're they're gonna, and we'll see what happens with Patrick's career. It, it's promising, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But assuming he stays healthy and he continues to play at this level, you know that uh, assuming thirty for thirty is still a thing, assuming a football life on NFL Network is still a thing, you know they're definitely going to want to get in touch with with Lee uh, Pat uh, Mahomes, Patrick's father, who of course was a former pro baseball player and Patrick, and and want to do some special features, some special stories on his playing career and just the kind of person he is because what he's done just as a football player and what he's doing off the field, hanging out with fans, like he's no different than they are, uh, really is kind of a special thing. You don't see that a lot with professional athletes. When was the last time somebody won league MVP and two days later they just go hang out with people and play uh, a pickup basketball game at a local gym? I don't recall anyone ever doing that. Now, I'm sure there are a, a few players. If you're a college student, uh, for example, I went to KU. So if you go to like your local gym, uh, you know, some gyms have a lot of nice uh, facilities there, a lot of nice features. And uh, the, the gym at KU, the, the rec, uh, the recreation center, uh, there are a lot of basketball players uh, or former basketball players that played at KU who go there and they play basketball with the average person. And that's pretty cool to see. But at the same time, you know, college athlete versus a pro athlete and an NFL MVP doing so, uh, two two different comparisons there. So for Patrick to do that, and I know he's been asked not to do that anymore, uh, it, it's a pretty cool thing to see. You don't see that often with players of his caliber. And I remember, I think it was KCTV5, they interviewed some of the local radio guys and they talked about how Patrick is saying yes to every media request out there. He is getting involved with every charitable organization possible. And and Lee mentioned, you know, just just putting your fingerprint basically everywhere across the city and being involved as much as you can. And that's what Patrick is doing. And I know Kevin Keatsman, I know people may not be a big fan of his work. One of the things he mentioned is he's saying yes to everything, but maybe at some point he's got to start saying no. And... There is going to be a point in time where the requests to do media and to get involved with charity work, it could become too much to the point where he says, hey, look, I'm not able to meet all of these requests uh, and fulfill them. Uh, And it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because there's going to be a high demand to want to have Patrick to be part of all of these things out there. Uh, But you know what? That's a good problem to have. Uh, if anything, that's what you want. Uh, for years, we have been screaming to see the Chiefs draft a quarterback in the first round. I know a couple of times, I mean, the Chiefs were, what, one pick away from getting Brady Quinn, who 
coincidentally still made his way to Kansas City at one point. Uh, the Matt Castle trade uh, wasn't a draft pick necessarily, but still very young in his career. Uh, I know the Chiefs were very close to uh, to getting Johnny Manziel, Paxton Lynch, and I know their careers did not pan out very well. So perhaps the Chiefs dodged a bullet when they were close to drafting those guys, but they did trade up to get Patrick Mahomes. And man, uh, I, I guess the silver lining, uh, maybe in the moment we didn't realize it when the Chiefs barely missed out on Brady Quinn or Paxton Lynch, Johnny Manziel. Uh, but hey, it, it, it's worth the wait. This is what we have been asking for for a very long time, and now we have it as Chiefs fans. Now we have it uh, for those long life fan, long life Chiefs fans out there. For those of you who have been waiting for this, you're getting it now. For those who are younger fans who don't even have any recollection of what it was like before Patrick Mahomes, well. You're in for a treat because, man, uh, the Matt Castle era, with the exception of 2010, not very memorable. Uh, I mean, the Brody Croyle era, uh, you know, prior to Trent Green, uh, I, I mean, so many, a, a lot of a lot of quarterbacks that you can bring up over the years. Uh, a lot of bad play from quarterbacks in Kansas City, and there have been a lot of great players at so many great, uh, so many other positions on the team. He mentioned Derek Thomas. He mentioned Brad Buddy, Ed Buddy. His father, who has also been uh, on the podcast, a friend of the podcast, uh, been on here a couple of times. Uh, a lot of great players at so many different positions, but that quarterback position, man, I mean, you've had Joe Montana, you had Len Dawson, Trent Green, but and Alex Smith had some good years as well, but uh, you have been waiting for a very long time, and, and of course he has the franchise record for passing touchdowns, did it in minimal time. And I set the bar very high for future quarterbacks for years to come. And again, what he did, 50 touchdowns and 5,000 passing yards. It is uh, something that only two other quarterbacks have done. And those are guys who are considered as some of the greats in Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So again, uh, you know, like I said, with the, uh, it, it's going to get to a, a point where there are going to be so many media obligations or media requests, rather, not obligations, I should say. Uh, there are going to be so many of those, and it's going to come to a point where he's not going to be able to fil- fulfill all of that, and, and he'll continue to play well on the field. Again, uh, it's never a fun thing to say no, but this is a good problem to have with uh, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, he did mention that uh, the intention is to spend his entire career in Kansas City. He loves Kansas City and everything that he's experienced so far, and hopefully that continues to be case. Big thanks to Lee Steinberg and everyone over at Steinberg Sports who helped uh, schedule and set up this interview. Uh, And like I said, we've been uh, planning on this for a while and very happy to get this in. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation with Lee Steinberg. A big thanks to him for giving us some of his time to be on the podcast. Let me know your thoughts on that interview. Anything we discuss on this episode, facebook.com slash farzinevesugian, twitter.com slash farzine21. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well. And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share the links with your friends on social media. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. We will be back on Wednesday to recap any other free agent activity involving the Kansas City Chiefs, we will talk about that. Any of the latest transactions to take place. If there is an update with the Tyree Kill situation, we will talk about that as well. I imagine by then there will definitely be an update, so we will talk about that 
on Wednesday and much more on the Chiefs Zone. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. I will talk to you on Wednesday. Take care.